Evening all, welcome to the Pyramid Podcast, where normally three lads discuss all things the English football pyramid. On today's episode, we'll have a review of the England games versus Malta and North Macedonia, a discussion of the points deduction for Everton. We'll preview the Premier League action, including the big one on Saturday lunchtime between Man City and Liverpool. We'll look at the main fixtures from the EFL, including Pyramid Pod Cup holders, Southampton games against Huddersfield. We'll finish with a Pyramid Pod treble and an update from Lauro, who will talk us through Yeovil, whose winning run has now come to an end. I'm your host, Alex Murphy, and once again, I'm joined by Tom Gallagher, but not Tom Lawrence. Um, so, yeah, quick apology from Lauro. Uh, got to work tonight, so he can't make it uh, this week, but he promises to be back on Monday with a bang. Uh, Tomo, hope you're well. We'll get stuck straight in with England. Um, 1-2-0 against Malta. Drew 1-0 with North Macedonia. Topped the group in pot one for the draw for Germany in the summer, but seen a lot of negativity around England. Um, are fans losing their mind a little bit around sort of Southgate in England? Yeah, absolutely. I think today's generation, and I'd include myself in this, so I'm not going to have a go at other people, but football fans, we are entitled, aren't we? And we do expect like to to win every game 3-0 and not only to win every game 3-0, but to be entertained and all of this sort of stuff. But the reality of those two games were um, pretty much they were dead rubbers. That England-Malta game at, at, at Wembley, we were always going to win. Um, and that's that secured top spot in the group, I believe, which meant that we're... Um, I think, yeah, which meant that we were through. We were through already. But then... The North Macedonia game, mate, he made quite a lot of changes. It was a bit of a shit pitch. It was um, one of those games where, do you know what, actually, that game there and actually um, the international break has proven to me that um, referees on the continent are just as crap as referees in the Premier League. We're, all, we're always talking about how we need to get the best referees over in the Prem, but the reality is the best referees are the ones who do international breaks and, and the ones who do Champions League and they're crap as well, aren't they? Um, yeah, we, we've spoke, haven't we, about, oh, we need to get the UEFA-style refereeing in, we need to get the uh, sort of technology for offside and the technology for the goal line, which is all well and good, but the refs are just as shocking, aren't they? Like the penalty decision, not for the goal, the one against Malta for not for Kane and the one for the Rico Lewis, which led to the North Macedonia goal. They're just as incompetent, aren't they? Yeah, and we have spoke about this a lot of times on the pod. I'm sure we'll talk about it um, throughout the season. But it does feel like it. the whole thing with VAR is 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 a case of we don't... The expectations are so like high now from, from referees because they're watching replays. So when they don't give decisions that we think should be given or when they give decisions that we, we, think, we think shouldn't be given, there's no sort of... We don't forgive them. And um, our anger levels are higher than they would be um, without VAR, I guess, because without VAR, they've got one angle, they've got one chance at it, etc. Um, but on to sort of England as a whole, I'm not worried too much. Like, at the end of the day, these players, are like, they play so many games. And to be honest, I'm surprised that, um, say, for instance, Gareth Southgate didn't rest Harry Kane altogether for these two weeks. And yeah. just say, and just say, just have two weeks. Go go off to the Maldives or something with your missus and your kids, um, because we need you fit and firing for the summer. Because at the end of the day, we were already qualified. That's the only thing that matters, and that's the only thing that Gareth Southgate is going to get judged on. And we've seen time and time again re the reality of Gareth Southgate's job is this: 
no matter what he does, he won't please everyone and he'll get slagged off. Like Simon Jordan talks a lot about him on on Talk Sport, and he basically says, unless he wins Euro 2024, he's a failure. And it's like, well, if that's the level of, do you know what I mean? If that's the level of sort of success you're you're judging Southgate by, then he's probably always going to be a failure because it only takes like one missed penalty from Harry Kane against France to potentially lose that game, or it takes a dodgy decision in the final against a Portugal or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's so much sort of context that football fans don't take into consideration. But yeah, look, in the grand scheme of things, this international break didn't mean anything. And I wouldn't worry too much about the performances at all. No, I'm I'm wholeheartedly happy that it's over. I think that yeah. there's a few players you're right should have just been rested, not made to travel to North Macedonia altogether. Players are complaining about the amount of games that they play in a season. Some are, I've seen United players feel like they didn't even have a rest in pre-season because of the amount of travelling they had to do to America, the amount of games they had to fit in, the amount of media duties. You just think by time you had the Winter World Cup where we've seen an uptick in injuries, you had the extended season, people are complaining about longer pre-seasons. We've now got a whole season before the Euros these big England stars, like friendlies that we've got in March and things like that, where you, it plays out in front of a dead Wembley, just don't play them. Get, yeah. Try yeah. and work out who your second striker is going to be. Don't play Harry Kane in it. Work out who you're going to have from Watkins, Tony, and Ketia, Wilson. Don't be don't be dragging your big stars like him and Bellingham. Just tell them to stay in Spain and Germany or go on holiday. Completely agree. Completely agree. You just I I would almost treat it as an England B game. Yeah. Just and just rest the first eleven. Just let them have the time off. But look, that's another discussion for another time. Yeah, uh, we there'll be. I think we got international break again in March, which is a lovely little break from having them. But we'll be having the same conversations, won't we? Why is Henderson playing? Why do England look so negative? Are they going to win the Euros? So uh, yeah, we'll be sure to have that conversation in a few months' time. Um. So very happy, but Prem Prem's obviously back. Uh, a bit of news that happened during the international break, though. Tomo was around Everton. Um, they had a ten point deduction uh, for I think financial fair play breaches. Just your thoughts on if you think that's a fair punishment, um, and then we'll move on to what what that means for their upcoming fixture against Man United. Um, I don't think, to be honest. I don't really know the ins and outs of the financial side of it. Obviously, I'm not an expert on that side. So I don't really know if the punishment's too harsh or not. But usually with these things, they get sort of reduced on appeal. So I'm wondering if if the appeal sort of is semi-successful, then it will go down to, say, six points or seven points. And then, then it looks a little bit fairer. Obviously, the context is key with that punishment because... Um, we're just about to get that independent regulator, the Premier League. And th- so the Premier League are trying to sort of show to that regulator and show to the government that they that they have the ability to um, punish um, financial um, irregularities and they have the ability to sort of clean their own house, um, if you will. Um, the thing, the sort of interesting thing, obviously you watch these sort of, you watch these sort of things on breaking news on social media and see how, football fans on social media react. And obviously there's a lot of talk about how Everton have got 10 points and for one, um, for one charge of breaking the rules. And obviously Man City seem to have 115 outstanding charges. And the reality of that situation is that 
Everton admitted wrongdoing. And although probably tried to bend the rules um, of sustainability to to sort of fit in those FFP guidelines, um, they've been basically punished because they admitted to do like to, to wrongdoing. Whereas Man City, oh, like they've got 115 charges, which um, obviously includes like in, enhanced sponsorship deals, like irreg- irregular salary payments to Mancini and so on. And they basically are accused of kind of like ultimately cooking their books in order to look like, or in order to, to say that they have played by the rules and they deny all of the charges. So it's almost, it almost feels like Everton would have been better off denying all the charges. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of how it will affect Everton, the end of the day, they look good. Sean Dice has picked up 10 points from the last five games. They look like they're on a bit of a run. They look like they might, they, they, before this 10 point deduction, they looked like they would be nowhere near relegation. So if you were ever going to get a 10 point deduction as an Everton um, fan, this season might be the season where it, it's okay because they look like there's, there's certainly three clubs in the Premier League worse than them. Um, so they might be a right in the long term. Yeah, and they, they could be out of the relegations as of this weekend, right? Luton, Sheffield United are two and one point uh, respectively ahead of Everton. Everton have obviously got United on Sunday, but you, you bang on that it could be the right time to get that sort of deduction. Sometimes I just imagine that could be completely deflating where you're on 14 points and you're starting to think, well, if we win against United, we can go on to 17 and potentially break into that top half. Suddenly you're right in amongst it and you've got almost like claw back those points. But yeah, I think it's just going to make it a lot more of a difficult season for them to stay up from what was probably looking like for the first time in a couple of years, a bit of a comfortable one. Um, but let, let's move on to that game. Um, wouldn't normally be the game we'd start with um, with some of the other fixtures, but um, nice segue into it. I've seen on Twitter people saying that they've heard of the new manager bounce and it's just like Man United's luck to have the minus 10 points bounce. Like how <laughs> up for the game is Goodison Park going to be and how up for it is Everton going to be? And we know what United are like when you concede early or the crowd gets up, they tend to crumble. I can already picture that um, Super Sunday playing out. What's your thoughts? Yeah, because I think, especially that Sean Dyche has got that team playing well, and they and if I was an Everton fan watching that Everton team now, it, they're quite likable, and so this whole ten point deduction almost creates that us versus everyone mentality, and it galvanizes the whole club um, and the fan base to back their team. Um, so yeah, I I I am worried about that as a United fan. Um, and we spoke. I think we spoke on the last pod. I, I just mentioned then about Dyche getting ten points from five games. Well, United have picked up twelve points from the last fifteen, um, or twelve points from the last five games. So they're the informed team in the Prem, which is mad to say. Um, yeah, look, it's, I think it's going to be a difficult one. My prediction is that Everton will win. Um, like you say, just that that sort of deduction bounce just feels like. Um, feels like it's sort of ine- inevitable, like the storyline is already written, if you will. Um, the only thing I will say is we played Everton three times last year, I think once in the FA Cup, um, and we we won all three games. So we're obviously, we obviously fancy our chances against Everton um, under Ten Hag, 
We won the game last year at, at Goodison Park 2-1, um, but it was all the way back, I think, in last October, and Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo was one of the goal scorers. So seems like a, a long time ago, that result. But yeah, look, I completely agree with what you just said. I do I do think Everton will get the win here because four thirty I think it's four thirty on a Sunday. It's gonna get dark by the time full time goes. You just feel like that that atmosphere yeah, is gonna be wild, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You just know what it's gonna be like. And it always I've always kind of pictured games against Everton. I think like back in like the Arteta and Cahill days and things like that, it just feels like that it just gets sucked into the net at that. Is it Gladys Street? The ends that there's like their like faithful are in and I, I don't know I got a horrible feeling about it. I mentioned on the last pod as well United are absolutely terrible about late runners into the box and decore has been absolutely yeah. unleashed into that I think if Calvert-Lewin's playing he'll look to give whoever's partner in Maguire back there kittens um, and you can just see decore arriving late and slamming at home but um, on the bright side for United Luke Shaw back into full training uh, training properly today I don't know whether he'll be I can't imagine with the amount of time that he's had out he'll be chucked straight into the lineup but be great to have him back with some big games coming up um, sounds like Onana's fit as well um, so hopefully he's uh, he's playing if that's a, a decent point for, for United or not um, but yeah I, I don't know I would I'd be horrible to say as a United fan, but I'd probably take a draw there. I genuinely think that I'd back Everton to win that game. No, no, no. You never, you can't ever go as a United fan, go into a game taking a draw. No, all right. Sorry, I wouldn't take a draw. I just think that I agree with you that Everton will, Everton will win. So I'd take a draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, just a quick one on Everton as well. I know you mentioned the front players who have been really good. Yeah. The, the basis for them turning the corner, I think, is that that strong partnership in centre back um, in their centre backs with Tarkovsky and that Branthwaite, is it? He's just signed yeah. a new contract, and he looks like a really good player. He's only young, isn't he? Um, and we United have actually been linked with him. I don't know whether that was leaked just before he signed his new deal, so he could get a sort of a, a couple more grand on the on the weekly wage. But yeah, he looks like a proper player and. Yeah, look, Dyche has got them playing really well. So, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting game on Sunday. Yeah, very much so. Um, we'll move on from that one and we'll we'll jump back to uh, lunchtime on Saturday. Probably one of the biggest game, well, definitely the biggest game of the season so far. Um, City versus Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool in an early kickoff again. Seen a bit of conspiracies about that, but I think you've. Um, I've spoken with you beforehand and that that's more policing rather than an agenda against Liverpool, but a game that I genuinely um, can't call. I've seen sort of Edison, Rodri, Haaland all miss international duty, but uh, are you expecting all of them to be in the lineup come Saturday? And if you are, do you, do you fancy City from there? Yeah, it, it's at the end of the day, City um, are imperious at the Etihad, aren't they? Um, yeah. And... I've just had a look at Liverpool and Klopp's record at the Etihad and they haven't won there in the last eight seasons. Um, yeah, so and and usually you sort of suggest that Liverpool and Man City, they usually go hammer and tong at each other. And um, so I'm expecting a really good game. I'm expecting fireworks, but yeah, Edison, Rodri, Haaland, I expect them to be back in the team um, fully fit and... Yeah, unfortunately for Liverpool, I probably think that this might 
it's not like a be or an end all, but it might sort of signal that they're not quite ready to challenge City just yet. Um, just having a look at last season's result in this fixture, City won 4-1. Um, Salah scored the opening goal. Um, but then Alvarez, De Bruyne, Gundogan and Grealish all got on the score sheet. So, yeah, look, for, for the title race, I do I do think it would be great if Liverpool could win, but I just can't see past City because of their um, their home form. I know this is not a particularly nice question to ask a United fan, but City have, I think, obviously won a number of Premier League in a row now. But if it had to boil down to it for those two sides, one to win the Prem, would you would you still pick City to win it over Liverpool as a United fan? Yeah, yeah. Me too. I know, but that 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 whole Gary Neville thing. What did he say? It's like choosing between your best mate and your brother to who would sleep with your wife, or something yeah. like that. And that's that is true. But I'd rather my best mate do it than my brother. Than my brother. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like yeah. that. Just, just City. They win all the time. There's always that asterisk when City win because of the Abu Dhabi stuff and the the state ownership, and um. And Liverpool are just... It's just Liverpool, Man United is the bigger rivalry, more intense rivalry. Yeah, and, and Liverpool fans are bigger dickheads. There's a lot more of them as well, Liverpool fans in there. They're, and they're way more in your face. So you don't know too many City fans, do you? Um, no. So, yeah, interesting um, game. I, I, Yeah, I can't really call it. I just... I, I don't know. As we've touched on before, Laurie's touched on it quite a bit. I don't think City are the side they are. If Rod, if any one of those three is missing, it's a massive um, drop-off for them. You know, if Edison goes to, is it Ortega, the backup keeper there? If Rodri's not playing, you suddenly... You know, you then... I know we keep saying it, but you're then missing Gundu and Rodri and KDB. They obviously missed... Um, lost those three games that he missed through suspension. I just, yeah, if any of them are missing, I think it becomes a lot closer game. And uh, I know Liverpool haven't won there in eight years, but again, to quote Loro, you know, those records are there to be broken. And I think for the title race, it would be good if Liverpool got something. Interesting point, though, Tomo. We are united. If we do win at Everton and Liverpool lose against City, we'd be three points behind them, um, which considering how doomsday they are starts, Ben, not bad. Yeah, yeah. God, um, but the eye test doesn't lie, Murph. The eye no. test doesn't lie. No, minus three goal difference as opposed to their plus 17. Um, I, I do always think that when people say we're the informed team, we've won four out of five games, but we are not informed, are we? So, no. yeah. Um, another big game in the Prem, Tottenham versus Villa. Obviously, Tottenham um, have got the Madison injury, the Van der Ven injury, uh, the Romero suspension. Looks like Sonny went off for South Korea as well um, on international duty. Villa are a very informed team, albeit their form a little bit stronger at home. Um, Fancy Big Ange's men to get back on track there or Villa to to pick up some points against them? Well, I just, I'm just having a look at Tottenham's um, squad list, if you will. And look, they've got Madison, Richarlison, Van der Ven, Perisic, Sessignon and Solomon all injured. And then Romero and Basuma are out suspended. I didn't realise Basuma was suspended. That's massive. Yeah. And I'm just... And obviously, the thing is with Villa, they win every game at home, not so good away. Um, and you don't, and look, they Tyrone Mings has got a long term injury, Bandir's long term injury, Jacob Ramsey long term injury, so they have players missing as well. I get that. Um, but yeah, I just fancy Villa just because Tottenham are decimated. Um, yeah, and Villa won both games last season. Um, this fixture they won 2 0 last year. Douglas Louise scored and Emmy Buendia scored. 
Um, but yeah, and and just on their sort of record against Spurs, they've only won four of their last 25 games against Tottenham and they've lost 18 of those. So Tottenham have got a great record in general against Villa, albeit they lost both games last season. So that's a really tough one to call, especially because, like I just mentioned, all of the players missing for Spurs. So I think if I was Ange now, I would definitely take a draw. Um, but I'm going to go for a Villa win. Anything from a Villa point of view, injury-wise, that, that we know of? I know obviously Ming's out long-term, but um, I can't think of anyone else particular that they're they're missing. So they'll, they'll be fairly full strength, I'm guessing. Yeah, like I said, they've obviously got the, the long-term injuries that we all know about. Jacob Ramsey's a big one. Obviously, he's a good player, isn't he? Um, yeah. Tyrone Ming's posting on social media this week about yeah, his comeback. Yeah, I know, a bit narcissistic if you ask me, but that's, like football players are brands these days, aren't they? So, got to do what you got to do. Um, but this is a big game for Ange, because if they can sneak a win here and get a win... That would be a great result to obviously stop the rot a little bit. And then they've got City next, haven't they? So, so yeah, I, I, I don't, if, if Spurs do win this game, I can't see them sort of going free flowing Ange ball. I think it will be a sneaky sort of smash and grab. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say that to you. Obviously, that Chelsea Tottenham game. Um, he kept that sort of like nine men were still going to go for it high line and people were like raving against it. Wolves, they sort of pressed to get a second goal, conceded to an injury time. I just wonder if they do that against Villa, that sort of like, oh, we're going to play our style regardless and then lose and then go to Man City, which is a very losable game. Suddenly Big Ange is, since the start of November, lost all four games. And uh, yeah. just suddenly a bit, a bit of a change of mentality for him where the media are still all over him and he's a media darling. Suddenly he's lost four in a row. Um, going into going in towards the Christmas break, they've then got West Ham, Newcastle, Forest away all before Christmas. Uh, with with you know Romero will be back. Um, yeah, just a quick uh, one on just a quick one on the on the tactics of that game. We we've spoke a lot about obviously Tottenham's high line, and we spoke a lot about Aston Villa's high line. So if you're a midfielder going into that game, there's going to be absolutely zero space to play into, and if you're a winger or an attacker. There'll be so much space in behind for both teams, you'd like to think. So yeah. that's a really interesting game to watch as well because I'm not sure I've ever seen two really high lines come up against each other. No, so, not, not that both play on halfway line. It's yeah. going to be absolute madness. But yeah, will be. I've got uh I've got Cash, DRB, Watkins, and Son all in my fantasy. I, again, I've not you didn't mention Son in that injury list. I'd seen on Twitter that he picked up a knock, but I'm guessing he's considered available because all four of them are currently in my team for for the weekend. Yeah, Sonny's a, Sonny's available, yeah. Yeah. Good. So yeah, with those high lines, fancying some points back there. Um maybe not for Matty Cash, but there we go. Um another big game. It really nice fixtures actually this to come back to. Brentford uh versus Arsenal. Um obviously it's been a bit of a game with a bit of history since they won one nil, didn't they? Brentford and like Ivan Tony tweeted like nice kick about with the boys. And then Arsenal went and won and Gabriel came back at them. But Brentford, obviously a really difficult place to go um, with the other big sides in city, Liverpool playing each other, Tottenham and Villa all within that top five playing each other. Arsenal will be looking to, to win at Brentford and, and maybe open up a little bit of a gap. Yeah. But that is a really that's a really tough game because we spoke we speak a lot, don't we, about Brentford. They're happy to sit in. 
they're happy to soak up that pressure. And especially um, at home, you can see them getting something. Although I'm just having a look at the head-to-head record. And I know Brentford, you, you mentioned that game when um, Tony scored and Brentford won, I think, won their first Premier League encounter 2-0. That was the... The Friday night football to kick off. Oh, yeah, it was. And Sergi Kanoff scored as well, didn't it? Yeah, and that was to kick off the league, wasn't it? But um, other than that, actually, Arsenal have got quite a good record. They've won three of the last four against Brentford and drew um, the other one. Um, so, God, it's, it's, all of the fixtures this weekend are tough tough to call, to be honest, because we're going to come on to Newcastle-Chelsea in a minute as well. But, um, yeah, look... The thing is with Arsenal, they, they obviously with Gabriel Jesus and and um, and Eddie Nketiah, can they stay fit? Um, I think Jesus played against Argentina last night, so yeah, that's a key. would have, Jesus would have. I don't know if Martinelli's in the squad for Brazil, but they'll all be travelling back sort of today, ready for Saturday half five. Yeah, look, I I fancy for some reason I know. Arsenal's best player this season have been De- has been Declan Rice, um, I'd suggest. And um, they've been quite attritional, I would say, as opposed to free-flowing at their best like they were last season. Um, you'd think, if you were an Arsenal fan, you'd, you'd like to think that they could turn the corner and start playing some good football, but I can't see it against Brentford. I think Brentford will sit in and grind out a result, whether it's a draw or nick a win. Yeah, I uh, I don't disagree with you. I think that's a real tricky game for Arsenal. I think obviously Arteta would be delighted with any win in the Premier League, but I think he'd look if if those boys could go and get a win at Brentford, he'd see that as a real big sign of character. And as I say, with the you know they'll already know the City Liverpool result by then. Um, they'll know that Tottenham and Villa have got to play each other. So on the Sunday, so a win there would be massive for them. Um, I will back them just to sneak it, but it really wouldn't surprise me if Brentford. Uh, got something at home to them. You mentioned Newcastle, Chelsea, a game that we'll move on to. Chelsea, um, I think a few ge- a couple of games ago, we were looking at them sort of down near the bottom of the table. They had Tottenham away and City home to come and then a Newcastle away game, but um, picked up obviously four points from them, looked unbelievable against Man City in spells. Newcastle obviously have had an injury list, but I'm guessing maybe got one or two coming back in. Um, thoughts on whether Chelsea can go and cement that good form and get something at St. James's Park? Um, the thing is with the with the Chelsea results against Spurs, if you look, you take that Spurs one out of it because that was like a one in a million game, I think. You can't read anything into that. Um, but Man City almost suit the way Chelsea want to play because they, they come at you and they play and they give you opportunities on the break because they sort of dominate the ball. Whereas... Newcastle, on the contrary, would will probably be happy to sit in, um, sacrifice having a lot of the ball and then sort of counter-attack um, and hope to counter-attack at will. And I think Chelsea have struggled against teams who do that this season. I am just having a look at the injury, injury list for Newcastle, though. You've got Botman, Barnes, Wilson, Murphy... Target, Burn, Mankio, Anderson, all on the treatment table. Tonali suspended. Longstaff is a doubt, and Lewis Hall can't play against his um against his club because he's only on loan from Chelsea. So they are completely depleted. Um, God, that's what I mean. It's a, it's a really difficult one to call because uh, if if they had a sort of 
half of those injuries, I'd back Newcastle to win because they're at home. Um, God, yeah, impossible to call. If you had to, if you had a gun to my head, I'd say a draw. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a really, really tricky one. Completely, um, completely agree with. I wasn't quite sure how many players were still out for Newcastle, um, but that is still such a long list and a couple suspended. And as you say, Lewis Hall parent club can't play against them, so. Um, yeah, I think Chelsea will back themselves there. Really odd fixture that three o'clock on a Saturday just feels yeah. like a TV game, doesn't it? I know you. I know we've got City, Liverpool, Brentford, Arsenal, Tottenham, Villa, Everton, Man United. So we've well, complained we... about some TV game weeks, but can't complain with that. But that really feels like a a TV game. I just think with with our conspiracy theory about Newcastle playing five thirty on a Saturday, that game there is just. 5.30 on a Saturday, all day long. Thank you very much, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And, and then no, no questions asked. Yeah, that's 3pm. We can't or, watch that one. Or Brentford Arsenal moves to Monday night football where you've got like under the lights at Brentford's grounds with uh, with trying to cause an upset. It would mean we wouldn't get to watch Fulham v Wolves. but um, And no, Arsenal, we... Arsenal might struggle with that because they've got Champions League on Tuesday. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, apart from that. <laughs> um, so round up of the rest of versus Brighton. Brighton, I think we mentioned on the last pod, haven't won in the league since the 24th of September. It feels like a while ago now since um, Deserbe's rant about the referees, but um, yeah, tricky looking fixture there. Forest tend to sort of like show up every so often, don't they, and put, give a real good account of themselves. So um, wouldn't surprise me if Brighton's uh, winless run continued there. Burnley host West Ham. Vincent Company obviously desperate for a win, but West Ham um, picked up a bit of form just before the international break. So I think they'll probably be looking to go and uh, cement the rot there for Vinnie Company. Luton versus Crystal Palace. Sheffield United versus Bournemouth. And then Monday night football's Fulham Wolves, which obviously we'll preview on Monday's pod. Um, but yeah, great to have the Prem back and a great set of fixtures there. Um, and, and can't wait to, to review all of that on Monday. We'll move on to the EFL. We'll start with the Pyramid Pod Cup. So Southampton had it for three games now. Obviously, international break, so been a while since um, since they've played, but they go away to Huddersfield. I'm guessing fancying Southampton to retain the cup and extend that to four weeks or four games. Absolutely, yeah. Um, like like we spoke about in the last pod, they beat West Brom last time and, um, and Russell Martin admitted that they played poorly and still got the win. Huddersfield... They're struggling this season. Um, they've lost three of their last four and they got pumped by both Leeds and Cardiff in those games. So they have got a better home record um, than away. But but yeah, Southampton have got too much. They've definitely got too much for Huddersfield. So Pod Cup stays with the Saints. Can't be long until they start to come into the FA Cup if their league form continues and we get them into the draw. Um, I know because Yeovil got Wrexham in round two. So I'm guessing from the next round onwards, we start to see those championship and Prem teams. So it'd be interesting to see if they've still got it then, uh, who they come up against and whether we can uh, get that get that cup jumping about the leagues a little bit. Yeah, well, if they get 10 in a row, I'm going to have to buy myself a Southampton shirt, I think. Yeah, I think I think that will have to be the case. We'll have to we'll have to get something for it. And um, yeah, whoever ends up at the end of the season, will track who's got the longest streak and that sort of thing. So... Yeah, indeed. Um, so we'll move into the rest of the championship game. So Leicester, who obviously top, they've got Watford. But I think Watford's form has picked up quite a bit, hasn't it, in recent recent game weeks. And uh, even though Leicester are at home, Watford might be a bit of a uh, tricky opposition. 
Yeah, look, Watford, I know they're 13th in the championship, so it does it does sort of on paper look like a, a Leicester banker, but um, they're unbeaten in six. They've conceded just three goals in that time. They beat Rotherham 5-0 last, last time out. We spoke a lot about Leicester um, sort of on the, the receiving end of two defeats in a row. So it's a big game really for Leicester just to sort of stop that rot and get the momentum back. Um, the, the thing is, I've had a look at the head-to-heads and I know head-to-heads don't really matter much, but sometimes you just like to sort of look for patterns and Watford have only won one of their last eight games against Leicester and they've lost six of those. So, um, and I know most of those games would have been in the Premier League. So this will be the first time they've um, met was that in that. The, was that the, that was the Anthony knockout penalty miss Troy Deeney fixture, wasn't it? That's uh, the best, uh, I don't, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But because that was, that was a long time ago. That was what, 2000 and... Yeah, a few years ago now. As in, that's just the fixture, isn't it? It was those two teams. That oh, was... yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that might be... Uh... But, yeah, like like I was saying, I, I do... Look, Leicester have definitely got their number. The last time these two were in the same league, um, Leicester won all three games that season. They must have faced off in the Cup as well. And they had an aggregate score of 13-4. So, and just because Leicester at home... Yeah, look... They have lost two in a row, but it was two tough games. Middlesbrough um, and Leeds, both sort of promotion promotion hopefuls as well. But I fully back Leicester to sort of get back on the um, the winning uh, the winning train, if you will. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll just um, from that mentioned Watford uh, beat Rotherham five 0 That's actually Friday night football. Rotherham versus Leeds. We haven't obviously got Loro. Uh, with us to discuss that and give us a reason why Leeds will uh, will romp that and win 6-7-0. But um, Rotherham in terrible form. I think they're still looking for their new manager at the minute. Um, and I think there's been some injury um, sort of boosts for Leeds, getting people back to fitness. So uh, really fancy Leeds to get the job done on Friday night football in style. Um, and I'm sure Loro would agree with that. Um so obviously touched on Leicester, next in the table, Ipswich. They go away to West Brom. Obviously said about Southampton beating West Brom in the last fixture to retain the cup. But West Brom are a side who have been picking up points and probably a difficult looking fixture for Ipswich going away there. Yeah, yeah. Just mentioned that that I know West Brom lost to Southampton, but um, they were the better team. They probably on another day would have at least got a point, maybe even sneaked a victory. Um so it's a really tough game for Kieran McKenna's men. They're the they're the sort of informed team, aren't they? In the championship, just seem to score four or five every week and concede three or four every week. Do you know what I mean? They're they're a really fun team to watch. Um, that's a tough one to call, to be honest, because like I said, West Brom have found a bit of form, albeit they lost their last game. Um, yeah, they're up into they're up into seventh now, West Brom. And if they did win at home to Ipswich, and that would take them on to twenty nine, so they could go as high as fifth there if the Preston and Sunderland results went their way. And um, Laurie's obviously spoken nanny about that gap between them. That's down to eight points now. That gap with Leicester Ipswich, and um, though Leicester probably have no issues with Watford, if if West Brom can pick some points up there and Leeds do win Friday night football, that will be down to five points. Yeah, and and. If I was a Leeds fan, I'd be I'd be hoping and 
praying that West Brom can get a result because that's that's exactly the sort of fixture that thing is if I was an Ipswich if I was an Ipswich fan if I was even if I was Kieran McKenna I wouldn't if I, I'd almost take a draw there like the championship games just run and run and run Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday West Brom's at ways a really tough fixture take a draw move on do you know yeah. what I mean that's what that's what I'd be saying but anyway yeah, if, if Leeds do get that job done on Friday night football, it'll already be five points by tying Ipswich, um, travel to West Brom. Interestingly, that's on at half five on Saturday as well. So that is on TV. Um, if people don't fancy the Brentford versus Arsenal game, that is on Sky. Um, but I'm sure most will be watching the, the Prem game unless you're a baggy or a tractor fan. Uh, and then just one other game to touch on, Tomo. Um, chat on Wayne Rooney. Um, and also it does feature in the Pyramid Pod treble. Uh, to give a bit of a, a sneak preview of my selection. But Birmingham host Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Rooney, obviously, without a win, um, but albeit had some difficult fixtures, I don't think that he can really afford to not be picking up all three against Sheffield Wednesday, who are pretty hopeless. No, you're right. They've um, they've only drawn the one game since he's took over and they've gone from 5th to 18th in the Championship. So <laughs> it's not looking good, Wayne, but... Um, I think we touched on the previous pod. Their fixtures, starting with this weekend, sort of turns a corner. It does look like, albeit the championship, there are no easy games, but it does look like they've got a run of um, easier games, if you will. So, yeah, I fully expect um, him to pick up his first win. And if he doesn't win, then there has to be serious questions to ask, to be honest, I don't, because this is this is the the sort of the big game for him. He definitely needs to win this one. God. Yeah, they they have got bottom of the table there and then they have got Blackburn away, which is tricky, but they're only sort of three points behind them at the minute. Um, so they can obviously get right in amongst the middle of the table if they do beat Sheffield Wednesday. But if they can pick up a result there after that, uh, I think they've got Rotherham at home um, and then Coventry away. So some games there that they'll really be looking to pick up some points. And I think for for his sake as manager of them, he'll uh, he'll need to pick them up. So hopefully he can um, can get his first victory because as I've alluded to, they are my selection for the treble, but we'll come on to that a little bit later. Uh, we'll move on to League One. So Tomo Portsmouth versus Blackpool. Um, and I think you wanted to, to delve into a couple of strikers who are, are banging them in in League One. Yeah, so you, we spoke a lot about Colby Bishop, didn't we, in the last podcast? He scored 10 goals in the, in League One this season, but um, he's coming up against um, another informed striker in Jordan Rhodes. Um, he scored 10 goals in League One as well. Um, he's got three assists to Colby Bishop's two, and he's got a better goal, um, minutes per goal ratio. But... Um, so interesting to see how the two sort of bagsman gets on this weekend. Um, albeit Portsmouth are at home. They're obviously flying. So expect them to get the job done against Blackpool. But um, interesting to see how those two get on. Yeah, they had that two-all draw with Charlton, didn't they? I think we discussed it on the the last pod. Um, Blackpool aside, whose results had turned a, a corner, they're up to eight. So not a complete sort of set in stone. Uh, win for for Portsmouth and Blackpool did beat Shrewsbury four nil um, on the a few days ago uh, at the weekend. So uh, and if and actually we we have spoke a lot about Portsmouth being unbeaten. Um, I think since March or February, but just had a look at the 
the the table there, and they've drawn six games out of sixteen. So you can sort yeah, of already a point ahead. Yeah, and you can sort of um, almost flip that narrative, however however way you want to see it. It's like getting a draw. Okay, that's good because you you you're undefeated and um, shows a bit of resolve that you're not losing, but also sort of one or two things go against you and then those draws can quickly become like defeats. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. That, that game is probably a bit closer than, than I first imagined, but look, Portsmouth are still at home. So yeah. And six, six draws is 12 points dropped in it. You, you're as, as similar as winning two games and losing three, albeit you can say you're on an unbeaten run. Yeah. It does show a bit of resolve, but they are plenty of drop points. And considering Portsmouth haven't lost since then to only be a point ahead in the table, um, just shows the strength of other teams in League One. One of those sides who is a point behind them is Oxford. They go to Cheltenham, uh, who are off the bottom now, actually. They're up to 23rd, um, and they've now got seven goals. So um, they are starting to really uh, pick up uh, and only eight points off the drop zone. But I fancy Oxford to um, to go and win there, which you won't be unsurprised about. And I think their new manager's in, um, Des Buckingham, I think it is. Um who, who's taken the role there. So hopefully he'll be looking to continue um, his good form, uh, the club's good form, but can't see them slipping up there. No. And um, I was having a look at when, when I saw him get um, the job that Des Buckingham, obviously I'd never heard of him, but he's a former Oxford player. And as a manager, he come from Mumbai city. Yeah. I'd seen that. Um, and I think he was at, he was he did a stint in New Zealand, Australia as assistants and and managers, um, and then obviously he's gone to M- Mumbai to become, well that's his first sort of senior management role and he's done really well. So it's an interesting one to keep an eye on because not your not your conventional coaching sort of route is it that? But no, no, I've just seen as well. They're Mumbai City Football Club. Their short names MCFC, and they play in Sky Blue. Yeah, so, so yeah, so Mum that City Group. Yeah, M- Mumbai City are in City Group, and obviously Melbourne, where he was assistant manager before, are in the City Group as well. Ah, okay, but, that makes sense. But it also means like the City Group are no no mugs, are they? They only employ sort of up and coming coaches, so he must have something about him. Yeah, I mean that. Their monopoly on football now, City, the way that they're doing it is unbelievable, isn't it? You can just like have managers that you almost have like, oh yeah, go out to Melbourne, get your badges there, go to Mumbai, any city that begins with M, let's just move you up through the ranks until suddenly you end up at Manchester City. Absolute mad how they run football now. But there we go. A um, couple other games in League One. So Bolton versus Exeter. Um, Exeter have not won since the 16th of uh, September in League One. Bolton at home, obviously hot on the heels of Portsmouth and Oxford. So fancy them to win. I actually saw their striker, Dion Charles, who I think we've spoken about with the goals that he's scoring before. He, I think he's Northern Irish. I think he scored against Denmark in the week um, in international break. So if he's out scoring against sides like Denmark, then he must be full of confidence. So... Yeah, can uh, I just quickly on Denmark, they're crap. Oh, okay. That <laughs> they are absolutely terrible. They only beat San Marino by one goal, didn't they, in the last international break? Um, they got Hoyland up front, mate, so he doesn't score. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he scored in that game, but oh, well done. <laughs> yeah, Hoyland and Eriksson both injured. To be fair to Denmark, but still, League One striker going and scoring um, 
scoring against the side of I know Denmark aren't great, but a nation of Denmark size, fair play to him. Yeah. And then just one other fixture, Lincoln versus Barnley, uh Barnsley, ninth place versus sixth place, uh, but only one point between them. So tight at the top of League One as well, as always. So uh, keep you all informed on Monday of the key results from there. And I think there's midweek action as well, which we'll uh, preview. But yeah, League One is really shaping up nicely. Move on to League Two. So Newport versus Stockport. Um, Stockport lost in the EFL trophy, which means their winning run came to an end. And we'll uh, we'll discuss about Yeovil as well, the two sides who I think were both up to 14 wins in a row. Um, but they did win in the league at the weekend. So Stockport obviously still still top of League Two. Um, fan- fancy them to go and win at Newport. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, they. I know they lost that cup game, but that it's all about getting in the next division, isn't it? All about promotion. And Loro spoke a lot about their manager. All he ever does is get promoted. So can't can't see anything other than a Stockport win in that game. Um, yeah, eight points clear of the of Wrexham now, who are in that fourth place position. So free go up automatically from League Two. So they just keep churning out results there, Stockport. Um, and I think they'll be looking to to really cement an automatic, and as you say, look to go up. Um, team that are probably hottest on their heels is Mansfield. They're six points behind, but got a game in hand. Um. They go away to Swindon. Swindon have not won in the league since the 14th of October and Mansfield remain unbeaten in the league. Um, Mansfield, obviously, a side we've spoken about in length and, again, not to ruin the Pyramid Pod treble too much, but you really fancy Mansfield away at Swindon? Yeah, just just they just seem to be the informed team a little bit. Um, although, if you flip that Portsmouth argument on its head, Mansfield have won nine and drawn eight this season. So, right, yeah. But they are second um, and they are doing really well. They've won, I think they won on the weekend 2-0, wasn't it, against Newport. Um, they beat Salford away from home in the previous game 2-1. That Keeler done, um, he's, he scored a brace on the weekend and he got the winner at Salford. Um, he's banging form. He's got 11 goals and four assists in 17 games this season. Um, wow. Yeah, Exactly. I, I was having a look at his sort of history as well. He's he's twenty. I was hoping he was going to be like twenty one, but he's twenty six. So he's obviously in his prime now. Really, um, joined from Burton in January, and he's a sort of um, hybrid midfielder or attacker. But he's he scored seventeen goals for them since he joined the club in January. So um, obviously, he on to bigger and better things if they do get promoted with him because he's a good player. Um, but yeah. The only thing with Swindon, them being at home, they have got some fucking bagsmen in their team. That Jake Young that Laura spoke about last time, he scored 13 goals already this season. That Dan Kemp scored nine goals and got six assists. And then they've got Charlie Austin, who I know he's coming to the end, end of his career, but if you've got Charlie Austin coming on the bench, coming off the bench for 15 minutes every game, it's not a bad thing, is it? So that'll be yeah, they look like they they look like they score as well, Swindon, and they've not won in a while, as we say, but you are you are right. You know, they scored in against Harrogate, scored two against Stockport, scored against Colchester, scored four against Aldershot, two against MK Dons. So they are keep finding the back of the net. They obviously just can't bloody. Defend. Yeah, well, yeah, you're talking about that Aldershot game. They they scored four, but they conceded seven. That's the shots for you, though, mate. They're an absolute outfit. <laughs> 
So, yeah, a um, couple of other fixtures there. 10th place versus 3rd place, Wimbledon versus Notts County. Uh, while we were away um, on international break, Notts County won 4-2 versus Bradford last weekend. I think that game was on TV, actually, and I think they um, they they absolutely battered them. Langstaff in the goals. I think Goldrick scored as well. So they'll be looking to, to pick up a win against Wim- Wimbledon and, and cement their place. And then Wrexham versus Morecambe, 4th versus ninth. Uh, last weekend, Rex actually lost versus Accrington. Did you um? Did you see like a bit of the controversy that was happening on Twitter about that? I think it was uh, like basically Accrington Stanley have a set price for away tickets, um, but I think like Wrexham game rather than charge twenty quid for away fans, they charge twenty five quid, and like their chairman came out and said that's one of their like four fixtures, which is like a category A match, the equivalent of like what happens in the Prem. But apparently, like Wrexham like told were kicked off about it and then the Accrington uh, owner was like well hang on you streamed the game like across America using our live stream and we didn't make a a dollar out of that so um, yeah a bit of kicking off there but um, Accrington obviously won that game and I saw your man Paul Mullen rattled the bar from a penalty as well ah god come on Paul do me a favour yeah Yeah. no I did I watched um, the fella on Gillette talk about that game I think it was Danny Mills actually covering that game. And, yeah, it was. and he was saying Wrexham looked bad. So you, I just, I'd expect them to, to rebound basically and absolutely batter Morecambe. Yeah. Morecambe are in ninth. Um, their form has picked up, but their managers left Morecambe to go to Ross County. Um, he said that he wants to get them into Europe, but they're currently 11th out of 12 in the SPL, uh, which did get me thinking where do you where do you pitch the teams in the SPL? So like Celtic Rangers, obviously a class of their own. Are they championship sides, Premier League sides? Who Rangers and Celtic? Yeah, Rangers what? and Celtic. Well, it, Rangers and Celtic at the minute are probably championship sides. But if you put them in the Prem with their like crowd and and sort of fan base, they would one hundred percent be a Prem team, no problem. Um, okay, so then you move down the table. So I had a look at the SPL because I, I was like. I've saw Derek Adams left Morecambe to go to Ross County and I thought, right, he's gone from League Two to SPL. So let's not be too harsh on him. But just looking down through that table, you obviously got Celtic Rangers. You then have St. Mirren, Hearts, Dundee, Kilmarnock, Hibbs, Motherwell, Aberdeen, St. Johnston, Ross County and Livingston. So he's gone to the side who have got 10 points in 12 games in the SPL. Are Ross County and Livingston and St. Johnston who are down there, are they anything higher than a League Two, League One club? Like, no, SPL football can't be can't be much stronger than those leagues. No, not at all. But but th- this story is he pl- he played for Ross County twice and he's managed them now three times. So it's not it's not just the case of him thinking that Ross County are better than Morecambe. It's probably just like right. a fa- family thing. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Like Ross County would be a League Two team, I reckon. But obviously. I ain't got a clue, really, but yeah. I've always thought, I don't know about you, I know this, we're going way off topic here, but I've always been of the opinion of, yeah, let Rangers and Celtic play in the Premier League. Like Cel- like Cardiff and Swansea played, and do you know what I mean? Like Welsh, like yeah. Wrexham are in the English Football League, they're in Wales, what's the difference? But the, the I think there was conversations about it 
a number of years ago. I think you do you remember when like Celtic beat Man United in the Champs League, like Nak- Nakamura scored that free kick and they the, their fans were like, We're as good as some of these Prem sides. Obviously, Celtic have had games where they've beat Barcelona with Tony Watt scoring, etc. I can see what you mean. The fan base is massive, the stadiums are massive, you've got Welsh sides in there, but where where do you pitch them into? What do you say? Right, we're just gonna let Rangers and Celtic come into the Prem and five teams go down to the championship. It's never going to fly, is it? So then you say to them, right, you got to start your way up in wherever in the English football pyramid. So that's not going to work either unless you move to a 22-team Premier League. So, um, yeah, I, I, on the face of it, great idea, massive clubs in reality. Not going to happen, is it? And also SPL. I mean, fuck me, it's it's tough enough like to to have any interest in that with the old firm in it, if they left and suddenly the biggest game's Hearts v Hibs, then they might as well pack up and fold it. <laughs> Sorry to any Scottish listeners. Right, we'll move on from that to... Oh, and also another point, I think we had on the standard of football, their Yeovil, we're just about to come on to Yeovil, I'm pretty sure that their right-back has joined from an SPL side and now playing National League South, albeit Loro does say he's a cheat code at that level. So the money can't be that good in SPL if he's willing to drop down and play in conference uh, National League South. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really not sure about that. But if you say if there's some family and some it's his local club mentality about it, then fair enough to, to Derek Adams. Um, Loro can't be here today, as we've touched on. Uh, he's hiding because he can't talk about Yeovil's uh, winning run extending. But he has given us a bit of an update, which I'll just run through to you. So we welcomed Farnborough to Hewish Park last Tuesday and made it 14 wins in a row with a 4-2 victory. We lost Jake Wannell through injury in that game, as well as Jordan Young picking up a fifth book in. For the first time in a while, we'd have to shuffle the pack. We went to Torquay in the FA Trophy and Mark Cooper made seven changes, including a start for New Bristol City Loney, Duncan Idahan, a left-footed centre-back brought in to cover Wannell's absence. Michael Smith, Reese Murphy and Morgan Williams were rested all together. The team still looked strong, but the winning run ended with Torquay prevailing 2-1. Last night, we were back in league action at Chippenham, whose pitch resembled a golf course. I'm not quite sure what he means by that, because I think sometimes like golf greens are absolutely pristine. So I'm not sure if it was a carpet or whether he means it was really bumpy and undulating and, and not fit for football. But they sat deep and frustrated us for long periods. And although Jake Hyde came off the bench to give us the lead, a late own goal from Ida Hen meant that Glover's 10-game winning streak in the league came to a close. We're still 12 unbeaten in National League South and sit nine points clear at the top of the table. Uh, And a preview ahead of Saturday, we travel to Welling, who currently reside well inside the drop zone, three points from safety. And the Glovers will be looking to return to winning ways and extend that position at the summer. So still very much uh, on top of that league oval. Nice update from Loro and looking forward to having him back on Monday. We'll finish with the treble, Loro. Tomo, sorry. So Loro has gone for Millwall versus Coventry at 17 to 10. I've said that I'm going to go for Birmingham at home to Sheffield Wednesday above evens at 11 to 10. And then your selection, just to confirm. Uh, yeah, I'm going for Davis, Keeler, Dunn. <laughs> Keeler, Davis, Keeler, Dunn side Mansfield uh, against Swindon. And if you're betting on a goal scorer, go for um, Davis, Keeler, Dunn because he's banging form. Love it. And they're evens. Uh, Birmingham a shade above evens. Obviously, Millwall was a touched on 17 to 10. So that comes out on Skybet at 10 to 1. So £10 stake returns you 110. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is going to be the week where the treble wins. I fancy all three sides and we're going to be celebrating some much needed profit. I'm, uh, start, I'm starting to think that 
if if our listeners just bet on exactly the opposite of our of what we say, they might be in. Oh yeah, they'd be well up. Um, someone I played golf with someone the other day who asked if we were getting paid by bookies to make selections because we lose <laughs> money every week. Oh, and so he starts to bet on the complete opposite. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a disaster that, but I promise you we'll get off to winning ways very soon, I think Saturday, and we'll get some money back in those accounts for you all. But, yeah, Tomo, that's it for uh, for this week. We'll obviously be back on Monday, all the weekend action back, which we'll review and we'll preview the uh, European and Football League action. But pleasure as always, mate. Have a great weekend. Cheers, mate. Ta-da. Cheers. One, two, three.